Jordan to Delta. You're moving out to the island. Transported to the world's last paradise. And like as soon as you started recording, I don't know if the mic picked it up, but like someone fucking took a sharp turn outside my home. It's <laughs> like well, because they're here to talk about the island with us. You will fucking see. There's a there's a there's an intersection that like leaves the neighborhood I live in, and there's like a massive blind spot. And so like <laughs> twice in the few years I've lived here, I'll just be sitting here reading a book or something, and then you'll just hear a massive car accident. <laughs> no one dies, but okay, uh, okay. it's you know you can't really see that someone is flying uphill at you. Much like the people fly at the screen in the island, the 2000 fil- 2005... 2000 film. <laughs> Whoa, he just had a stroke or something. Kubrick's 2001 A Space Odyssey, directed by Michael Bay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Hello, I'm your host, Diego Crespo. I'm here to bring you this messy opening for our failed blockbusters retrospective. This failed opening for the failed blockbuster. See, I even had to correct that, you fuck. Oh, well, whatever. It, it's all it's all connected, is what it is. Hey. Much like the Twin Towers were connected prior to 9-11. Much like Building 7 didn't blow up itself. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You, know, you might think that 9-11 joke is in bad taste. Because it is. But it's also connected to the film we're here to talk about today. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, also, that's my, my co-host, Macaringo. Yep, that's me. If you haven't figured that out by this point, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> you know, I think some people will stumble upon this episode just because they're curious about the island retrospective. Yeah, no one's looking this movie up. <laughs> you know what? I I think it's going to have a resurgence at some point. It might, but it's it's that weird one where it's like... It's odd that the only Michael Bay film that is probably discussed less than this is his fucking Benghazi movie. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what what the deal is with that. Remember, like, that Benghazi movie was coming and everyone was like, oh, fuck. Like, yeah. <laughs> it was like, oh, this is going to be bad. It was the election year, too. Oh, yeah. And, and it was like, oh, this is going to be bad. This is going to be bad. And then he just kind of did, like, a very basic, like, war movie, you know? Yeah, he did. It, it's, uh, I'm, I'll go on record. I'm, I'm a fan of that film because mm. of his surprisingly, like, not completely chaotic direction it has problems it definitely has its problems yeah. but like what everyone expected was just like a nightmare and no one on any side of the aisle really got that yeah. did someone <laughs> so, just like did someone want to make the hillary clinton is responsible for a benghazi movie i'm sure someone did, did. someone want to do that and then they just thought let's just get michael bay to do it because michael bay definitely has like conservative leanings in his movies Mm-hmm. But he's never really been outright with his politics. And so I think someone maybe just made that assumption that he'll fucking go all in. And then he didn't do that. <laughs> no, because, like, you know, we, we've talked about Michael Bay. And I'm ecstatic that we're finally doing a Michael Bay retrospective film mm-hmm. on this. Uh, and on full disclosure, I have done a full Michael Bay filmography retrospective with the fine folks over at Talk Film Society. Um, thank you, Marcelo Pico, for... For kind of guiding the ship on that one. I was going to listen, but I didn't want to, like... If I listen to it, I will end up just repeating things. Yeah, so, so I I have talked about the island in full before. Uh, and I, I I will give my, my 
full thoughts again there, but like if you're curious about my thoughts on all the Michael Bay films, apart from my Twitter, you can go check them out over there. Talk Film Society is a great just resource for if you want to grow to hate interesting Diego. podcasts. <laughs> oh no, no podcast. that that you have to listen to the Alien retrospectives oh, here yeah, on the Waffle yeah. Press. Yeah, yeah. History, I already know history will fucking vindicate you. Like, I just know it. I'm fucking Oh, yeah, there. completely. I'm on there fucking blasting <laughs> Ridley Scott. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And so, hey, you know, whatever. I stand by my comments. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where do your comments fall on the island? Or do you remember watching it? Let's, let's start there, because no one's has seen this film. Well, it's on our failed blockbuster series. And it might... <laughs> Shock people to know that there is a Michael Bay film that is essentially a bomb. Uh, I can't think of... Did any of his other films, like, bomb? I know some have um, underperformed, but none have been, like, outright bombs. Uh, it's it's a bomb, but it did make more than its production yeah, but budget. Yeah, but it, it's still a bomb. Like No, no, it, it, it is. Um, oddly enough, so was the Benghazi film. Oh, okay, so the Benghazi yeah, it made the like. One. The, the same amount as production budget, and anyone that knows Hollywood knows that that's a failure. Yeah. I mean, that's a movie so, that's just going to be popular among a very, very narrow portion of the populace. Unfortunately. Dion Beebe did the cinematography on that film. Mm-hmm. He's like a legendary, like a living legend cinematographer. Yeah. Fucking and collateral, right? Collateral, Mammy Vice, Gemini Man. <laughs> I still have not seen Gemini, man. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but, don't and, worry. And, He's going to do Rob Marshall's Little Mermaid soon. He he keeps working with Rob Marshall. They're buddies. I don't get it. You know He's, what? Those he's movies, way too talented for that director. Those movies look very good. It, yeah. It no, is, he, he is, is always innocent. Yeah, that's that's why I'm, There are no innocents in this world, Diego. No. Um, <laughs> oh, God. He did The Snowman. Yeah. Oh, that movie looks great. That movie looks um, great. Hey, that movie. Oh, <laughs> uh, that that movie made me so depressed because I really like that director. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, I, I hope he gets another shot because he like he's, he's very talented. It looks like he had to go back to Sweden to get a movie made. Mm. So it's a comedy. Those always translate well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's that's a shame. Um, yeah. The island. Uh, this is, um, I saw it on DVD when it came out, did not see it in theaters. Uh, because I don't uh think same, actually. <laughs> I don't think anyone saw this in theaters. Yeah, so I remember watching it because, uh, uh, my dad worked for the gas company, and all, all those dudes were, like, really close, right? And so one of his friends would always let me borrow movies from his, like, insane library of films, like... This was when I first discovered, like, oh, people could have, like, a library of books <laughs> and a library of films. And I was like, I don't know, fifth grade, when did this come out? No, no, I was definitely older than that. Um, but I remember rent- renting this from him and being blown away and, like, I didn't want to give it back and then I just got my own copy. <laughs> I don't know if I'm blown away now is what I'll say. Yeah. But what did you think of The Island? Um, well, initially I saw it and I never really forgot it. I'll give it that. Like, it's one of those movies that is always kind of stuck in my brain as being like, oh, yeah, that was a movie. And I watched it. And honestly, the reason I kind of goaded you into doing this is because I was convinced that we owned the island. (laughs) That we had this movie in our DVD collection somewhere. And then I found out, like, a week ago, oh, no, we don't. So I just spent, like, $3 (laughs) to rent the island. (laughs) But, hey, you know, what are you going to do? 
yeah, this movie is odd. I, I, like, I, it's one of those movies where it's like, I honestly don't feel comfortable calling it a bad movie, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it's not this, like, horrendous train wreck. It has none of the stuff that, like, w- would get singled out in, like, a Michael Bay film. Yeah, be like, yeah. That's what makes mm-hmm. a Michael Bay film good, and that's what makes a Michael Bay film bad. This definitely has some of the good, has a lot less of the bad, but also is just kind of, like, not memorable. <laughs> Other than it starts out as an extremely derivative dystopian thriller... And then halfway through, it just turns into a Michael Bay movie. <laughs> yeah, and I remember hearing criticism, because I, I think that was even an Ebert criticism at the time, because this was like the last kind of hurrah era of um, Ebert and Roper at this point. Mm-hmm. And I remember the criticism being like, it starts as, as a compelling science fiction drama, like, like a drama. It, mm. It's like a straight-up drama or an attempt at one from yeah. Michael Bay, and then becomes, you know generic action it, chase film it honestly makes me wish that michael bay was given like headier projects like you know what this reminds me of and and not in terms of quality i think this is a better film and i i like this director and this other film i'm about to reference but paul ws anderson's event horizon where that's a film that doesn't really work because of production troubles uh i, I think how Anderson's dare a little you? out of his depth no, how, no, how but like dare you <laughs> Do you like Event Horizon? No, I do not like Event Horizon. Oh, okay. <laughs> Event Horizon's a bad movie. Like, I'm sorry, there's all these people like that want the mythical, great, like, director's cut of Event Horizon. Event Horizon just fucking doesn't work. Well, look. It's, I'm sorry. I, I, like, no, look, uh, apart from, from the, uh, the controversial quality of the film, I guess, mm. uh, Film Twitter loves it. I, I, know. I don't well, they, quite film Twitter I, loves I admire it. Paul W.S. Anderson for some fucking reason that I'll never put together. Okay, but the point you know is... What I realized the other day? I was sitting around thinking about the Resident Evil films, as you do. And I remember, like... <laughs> I know, actually do. Yeah, but, like, I was like, you know, I don't really like most of those movies, but the one I, there's one I really like, so that's probably, like, the good one. And then I realized that that was one of, like, two that wasn't directed by Paul W.S. Anderson. Okay, it's Extinction, right? Extinction, the desert one? Yeah, the yeah. one that's, like, Mad Max with zombies. Yeah, oh, yeah, Slam Dunk, that movie writes itself. Yeah, basically, and it's the one he didn't really direct. Yeah, so, no, that's my favorite, yeah. Yeah, I think the worst uh, one, though, is the other one he didn't direct, so. Oh, yeah, But I yeah. I could see, like, there's definitely, I don't know, Paul W. Sanderson vibe with this. I don't no, know. No, 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 I'm bringing it up because, not even, like, in, in terms of, like, tone or anything like that, but, like, if Event Horizon had worked, that's like a, a gnarly, vicious film mm-hmm. like if it was like in its full form like he really wanted it, to make it like a hard r science fiction thriller and that movie just doesn't work and he never tries to do something like that again yeah and i feel like the island is kind of a, has a similar effect on michael bay where like after this he's just in transformers territory yeah that's the sad thing where it's like his next three movies are all transformers films mm-hmm. which are just and, like i know people like like those movies I feel like there were 90-minute versions of each of those movies I would go to bat for them, but I just can't. Like, they're just, they're just very, like, just kind of, like, mean-spirited. And you can tell Michael Bay hates that he's making them. <laughs> like, mm. I never felt more contempt from a director <laughs> in a series of movies than those three Transformers movies. Um, I've never seen Age of Extinction, though, or The Last Night. I just, at some point, I was done. I, I, I think... If you watch the last night, 
you'll at least laugh for a while, and then you'll be like, oh, this keeps going. That's the thing. Like, I really think there are versions I would defend that are 90 minutes. Like, that's the problem, is those movies are too fucking long. And then he does, like, Pain and Gain, which a lot of people really like. Um, I think it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's, it's weird. It's like... I always say, I think Transformers, we got to see too much of Michael Bay. And, like, mm-hmm. you can't unsee this that side of him <laughs> after the Transformers movies. And it affects some of his other work. Um, I should see Six Underground. I tried. I watched, like, the first 20 minutes of Six Underground. And uh, everyone was like, this is brilliant. I was like, oh, I would never say it's brilliant, but I did love it. People said those first 20 minutes were specifically brilliant. Oh. There was something um, like this opening is like, it's pure Bayhem. And then I'm like, this isn't for me. <laughs> Which I think yeah, is the, the, the polite thing to say. Yeah, I, I'd probably not. Well, well like I was saying, for you, then. I made the joke. I would like to see how Michael Bay would handle material like 2001 A Space Odyssey. Like just his version of it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's a shame that the island is kind of the one time he kind of put, I mean, I don't want to say he put story first because he didn't really do that here. But, but he definitely tries. He definitely tries, but the script isn't that. The script is incredibly derivative of other science fiction films, and it's it can be a little frustrating. And then like you can tell that certain pieces are just taken from other science fiction movies because that's what they think are in science fiction dystopian films, and then they don't really gel super well together. Where it's like this isn't when you watch when you're on the uh the fucking whatever the first place is the place that isn't the island uh it it feels like a pastiche of just scenes you've seen from like 70s science fiction films Mm -hmm. but then none of it really like when you start trying to think of how it fits together it doesn't really work not that it totally has to but you know there's a smarter version of this film (laughs) Um, the the script isn't like outstanding, but I do think it's pretty sturdy considering who's involved. Uh, I, I the nine eleven joke is because Alex Kurtman and Roberta Orshi were the screenwriters for this, and this is their first collaboration with Michael Bay. After this, they they do the Transformer stuff together. You know what's pretty fucking funny? Hmm. If you're on Wikipedia, it used to. If you scroll down the bottom, you know there's that thing that shows like Michael Bay like filmography and stuff like that. It'll link you to other related articles. Mm-hmm. You say Kurtzman and Orsi, but now it just says Alex Kurtzman. Oh, because uh, I don't know what planet Orsi's on right now. <laughs> uh, I, I think there's a reason they they don't write together anymore. Yeah, um, he seemed like a weird guy. <laughs> yeah, he wrote an untitled Marvel script for Sony. Oh, because they were um, they they would get hired for everything because they would say yes to everything basically. Yeah, and so they were going to be instrumental in like that failed Spider-Man universe that the Amazing Spider-Man Two was supposed to launch. Yeah, and they, they were yeah they have their hands in like so much shit, and you could tell they must have been those guys who were like really good at pitching movies, mm-hmm. and kind of like that might explain how Colin Trevorrow has a career. <laughs> um, but. Yeah, uh, we made the joke about 9-11 because it's pretty much out there that, although they've tried to scrub it from the internet, that Roberto Orsi is a 9-11 conspiracy theorist, a uh, 9-11 truther, and I just gotta say, like, people like that can't write scripts. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> because like you can see watching this movie you you have to be a 9-11 conspiracy theorist to believe that the conspiracy we're watching could be pulled off. <laughs> it involves so many people at so many levels of so many different organizations that all have to be working together purely for evil reasons <laughs> that it doesn't make sense. But it makes sense if you believe that our government uh, did a controlled demolition on the Twin Towers. Because <laughs> that it could only make sense to someone like that. Yeah. I'm not here to be, like, plot hole guy, but it's that's just one of those things where it's like, there are plenty of movies like this that don't make sense. A lot of movies don't make sense, if you think mm-hmm. about it, especially action movies. But here, it just, it never kind of, like, wins you over, at least it never won me over in another way where I could, like, ignore those flaws. You know, it, it won me over... I think because this is a film that proves... No, Michael Bay does have stuff on his mind. Uh-huh. Like, I think, if anything, this is a film that definitely proves that. It doesn't mean he's very consistent with it, and it doesn't mean he pulls any of it off. Or it, And it doesn't mean he thinks about it that much. Yeah, yeah I mean, <laughs> it's like, it's, it fits in spurts for sure, but, like, he definitely wants to say stuff with his movies while entertaining you, you know? Like, he... he I, I think he's... he's um. I watched some of the behind-the-scenes stuff on this, too, which is available just on YouTube. Mm. Now a lot of the old DVD extras are available on YouTube, Thank if you're Christ. ever curious about stuff, uh, because that's, like, a lost art form in and of itself, basically, at this point, unfortunately. And he's, like, yeah, a lot of it is about the production on the action. He's, like, yeah, I want, like, five cameras here. I want to capture everything. But he's also, like, talking about how the fil- – this is ridiculous, but he's talking about how, like – you know, the premise is, like, a scary thing about a corporation and, and like, they're, they're using people to, to harvest them. It's, like, a scary thought. And then it's, like, yeah, but th- this it's not that scary because it can't actually happen, you know? Mm. It's not reality you're describing, Michael. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, to me, it's... Michael Bay seems to definitely have beliefs. But they all seem, like, incredibly vague. At least what he lets through in his movies... Mm-hmm. Where it's like, you could put an alt-right guy and a super-leftist guy in the same room, and they would both agree that, like, yeah, the villains in this movie are bad. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And it feels like he's... I don't know if he... His beliefs are that actually vague, or if he has beliefs, but then he deliberately waters them down because he does believe in making movies that can be enjoyed by all. Because no matter how you watch this movie, it's like the bad guys are fucking bad. There's no, like, real nuance to them. <laughs> Even though Sean you know, Bean like, tries to bring some to it. Yeah, there's, like, I mean, They there's... deliberately, they don't just, like, kill people. They make sure it's painful. <laughs> they, mm-hmm. they talk creepily. They talk about exterminating people and stuff like that. And people, like, like they, like, even, like, the underlings will, like, laugh at cruelty, you know? Yeah, he in the in the the making of, he references like how they wanted to, or he wanted to make like you know the people that cut open the the cloning sacks mm-hmm. in the film. There's like oh you know they're like they're like long haul truckers. You know they're just out there on the road doing these part time jobs, and it's like I I told I mean it's very obvious what he's getting was going yeah. for right. But I I think that's such an ugly, cynical way of looking at people. Yeah. That they would just, like, do that. Oh, this that movie I can't... hates people. This, this oh, no. movie unbelievably it does, yeah. hates people. Which is I, I think thing all that... Michael Bay films, to a degree, hate people. Yeah. 
Which is why they're kind of interesting sometimes. No, they're totally. They're definitely... Inter- it's this weird thing of... I don't know how to explain it, but Michael Bay has this weird thing where he seems to hate people, but, like, kind of loves America. <laughs> <laughs> Which, it, it feels like you can't do both of those things. Mm-hmm. You know? That's incredibly strange. And a lot... I mean, all of his films, they try to leave you, like on an emotional high of like oh but people can come together and pull stuff off you know yeah and it you know a lot of the detractors of of michael bay and snyder say they have comparisons of like the loud abrasive action and i think the real comparisons are just that they're gunning at like 11 out of 10 every time and that tends to lead to a lot of their problems you know and that they they maybe don't have a a super specific point of view when they're filmmaking stuff, which is why, you know, a lot of, like, grifters and, like, alt-right people latch onto both of the director's filmmakings, unfortunately. I mean, it leads to a problem where there's an action scene in the middle of this movie that feels like it goes on for, like, four fucking hours. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's pretty impressive stuff, but it it just keeps going, man. Oh, yeah. It was, like... I was, like, so caught up in, like, moments where I'm like, wow, that's, like, practical shit happening on there. And it's, like, a hover bike, you know? Mm -hmm. It's, like, wow, they really found, like, ways to, like, make this seem real. Whereas, like, I can see how it would be done today, and it would just look like a cartoon. You know? Mm -hmm. And that... That would... That's, like, awful. But then, like, he does it here, and it just keeps going. And at a certain point, you just become numb to it. Mm -hmm. And, you know... You know, it kind of reminds me of, like, the, uh the Roger Moore era of Bond almost in a way where like he's doing these incredible stunts in a lot of those films. Yeah. And then they'll add like a slide whistle and you're like, what the fuck (laughs) was that? You know, like why would you do, this is like the most incredible car stunt I've ever seen on film. Why would you put that in the movie? (laughs) Well, why does he team up with like a racist Southern sheriff? Yeah, like what? In, like, Vietnam. <laughs> yeah, like, what is that? <laughs> is that just and, Smokey and, like, and the Bandit? Did Smokey and the Bandit come out and, like, we have to have fucking Buford T. Justice in this movie? Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's probably why. But, and, yeah, and, it's just... Yeah, what, are you, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> mm-hmm. That's a very good comparison. <laughs> Thank you. Um, do you uh, know anything about the production of this movie? Or how it got made, I should say. I don't, actually. It is a DreamWorks film. And this is kind of like DreamWorks. Unbelievably, DreamWorks has started maybe uh, in like 98, I think, is when DreamWorks starts releasing movies. And less than a decade in DreamWorks is already on the downturn <laughs> mm. as a full production studio. There's a great book called The Men Who Would Be King that kind of talks about uh, the production, like the history of DreamWorks and its rise and fall. Um, Bay has at this point bay has basically had a falling out with uh bruckheimer after pearl harbor right mm-hmm. pearl harbor is like this massive disaster <laughs> even though it made money <laughs> yeah, oh yeah hey. Uh, <laughs> hey pearl harbor's not a disaster that was an attack on our country oh. um oh, okay sorry <laughs> uh that movie's full of lies <laughs> pearl harbor's a fucked up movie and uh, it was, like, gunning to be that year's... It made money, but it, it was, like, so poorly received that everyone was, like... Like, that was kind of when the worm kind of turned on Michael Bay fully, because at that point, Michael Bay was still getting movies in the Criterion Collection. <sighs> and people were like, no, Michael Bay's the future of cinema. Which they weren't wrong. <laughs> mm. And uh, 
Spielberg basically handpicked them to direct this movie. Uh, Spielberg, one of the guys at DreamWorks, DreamWorks had bought a spec script. It's very vague on the script. I wanted to find out because there's a guy who has story by credit who I've never heard of. Uh, and then Ortsy and Kurtzman come in later, and I wondered if they were brought in by the DreamWorks people, um, which it seems like that might be the case. But they had there was a spec script. Bay was brought in, and Bay has this incredible quote <laughs> where uh, he why he took the project. He said, "I think the scene that hooked me was when they executed a pregnant woman." <laughs> that was, well hey I mean I definitely have questions <laughs> so that so that scene which when you see that scene you can tell it's directed within like an inch of its life like <laughs> you can tell oh Michael Bay really wanted to do that scene <laughs> um yeah and then uh this book one thing about this book The Men Will Be King is that it's a lot it's about a lot of like billionaire incompetence Particularly Jeffrey Katzenberg, who doesn't seem to do anything right ever. But uh, this movie will make you absolutely hate uh, people in marketing, which seemed to be a big problem with Dreamers. And they had a fair point, which is they didn't know how to market this movie because it starts as like a dystopian science fiction film. And then halfway, there's a twist where it becomes a Michael Bay action movie. So they didn't know how to market it. And I guess that became a problem at a certain point. But this is what gets Spielberg... I mean, Michael Bay in, like, the Spielberg circle. This leads directly to Transformers. Well, I guess it paid off then. Yeah. There's this is weird. There's such a sad thing about DreamWorks is that, like, Spielberg just kind of keeps, like, getting scripts. And he's like, I might want to do this movie. <laughs> and then he's, like, flirting with so many projects that he can never really pick one and then just hands them off to other people. <laughs> Which is a little... It's a little depressing. Mm. Would be interesting that... I mean, but this is... This movie is definitely kind of trying to be uh, Minority Report in some ways. Oh, so I can, yeah. I can see Spielberg yeah. being like, I already did this movie. It's definitely also like... I don't see it really listed among like the movies that say influence, but this is definitely a post-Matrix movie. There's so many like Matrix parallels in this. Oh yeah, well like yeah, like like the the cutting open of the like the bags. Yeah, the it's... bags, but also like a lot about like you question authority. <laughs> You're mm, not mm-hmm. like all these other sheeple who, you know, hey Diego, why don't you ever ask where the fucking tubes go? Uh-huh. You ever stop to think about that? You ever stop to ask some questions? Or at the end, Robert look, Orsi's, I'll say Roberto Orsi's just asking questions, man. If you're threatened by questions, or uh, uh, when when uh, Ewan McGregor is dead named. Oh at the yeah, end, that that's just like Neo in the Matrix. It's straight up that, yeah. Although I don't, I don't think Michael Bay would understand the concept of dead name. No, probably not. <laughs> you you don't get Michael Bay to make something headier than this. But I I would love for him to do something like this again. I would honestly. love to see him try. I, I hope it would work. I'd better, love to see but... him try headier films. Yeah. I mean, I hey, he... next up, he's got Ambulance. Yeah, what the fuck is that? Uh, apparently, like, a, a pair of bank robbers hijack an ambulance, and then it takes place, like, in real time or something like that. Cool. I'm sure it'll be Yeah. Great. Don't know. Um, 
Don't know how much damage you could do from inside an ambulance, but Michael They'll Bay will figure out a way. Blow up like the Los Angeles Art Museum or something somehow. Oh right? fuck yeah! <laughs> Hell yeah! Um, but look, I, I, we did not spoil this film heavily, from what I recall, on the Talk Film Society podcast because that was really just a recommendation to check out all the Michael Bay films. Uh, we will spoil everything. In, in this film here now. So just this, this movie, I have to ask you a question. This movie kind of spoils itself. Well, because at a certain point, you know exactly where it's going to go. I guess. I guess that's that was the thing where I'm like, there's kind of a moment where you're like, all right, I know what's happening. And then the movie kind of immediately just answers all the questions, but before the characters learn any of it. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell God, if that's... That's the frustrating thing about this. Well, that's the thing. I can't tell if that's a brilliant choice or a dumb choice. No, I don't like that choice. Okay. Um, because I, I'm definitely more on the Michael Bay train than you are, mm-hmm. <laughs> for sure. Um, of course, with the caveats and the asterisks and all that jazz. But, like, I, I think uh, it's a crucial flaw in this film, like, not being able to fully, um, like kind of rise above the crop of other Michael Bay films. Yeah. I, I think at a certain point then it's just like, well, it's just Michael Bay's attempt at doing like a paranoia thriller versus like <laughs> something like that could be really good. Michael and Bay's. I think there are moments that are really good. Michael Bay's the parallax view. Oh, that would fucking <laughs> be nuts. I mean, you know, I yeah. mean, there's like a bunch of fucking bad movies I've seen this year alone where I'm like, but God, if Michael Bay directed it, at least it'd be a Michael Bay movie. Yeah, you know, I just someone's got to just make it get his runtimes down. You know, like mm-hmm. fuck the bloated shit. I hate, I hate how bloated blockbusters are now. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I kind of feel like you know, like the Warner Brothers execs right now are like crazy, like micromanaging. If Michael Bay could get in there, you know, like and maybe they Warner could him down. No, no, no. If oh. if he could just get a, get a movie in there, like if he did like Suicide Squad three or something like that, mm-hmm. and they had the reins on him, like I think that could be tons of fun. You know, if you they know? did that, if they did something where it's like the first Suicide Squad's David Ayer, the second one's James Gunn, and the third one's Michael Bay, <laughs> that would like retroactively justify the first Suicide Squad movie. <laughs> I don't know about that. It totally but... would. If you start started giving it to like fucking crazy people who are also sometimes incompetent, like. <laughs> it would create like a weirdly uneven movie where like anyone could have a favorite. It'd be interesting. I think it'd be weird to see a movie with that, those big ups and downs. Mm-hmm. Um, but hey, uh, hey, does the shoe thing ever come back? I don't remember. <laughs> like it was a very pointed beginning where it's like I only got one shoe. And, uh, I you feel like that's going to be a thing where it's like, oh, look, there's the fucking, like, chaos theory from fucking uh, <laughs> Jurassic Park. Like, there's a flaw in this perfectly controlled system. All <laughs> systems are brought down, man. And it, it, I don't think it ever really comes back. I don't know. But still, like, even, like, that idea, like, I, I bet that's just there to show that it's, like, imperfect. I guess. I don't know. I feel like it's there to start a mystery that isn't there. <laughs> Maybe. A mystery that the film has no interest in solving. <laughs> I mean, because you, you called this derivative, and it is very derivative of, like, way, way better films. They, they I fucking mean, like, Even shit. the Wikipedia lists, like, Fahrenheit 451, THX, Logan's Run, you know? What it doesn't list is fucking Blade Runner. <laughs> 
which there's like a direct moment lifted from Blade Runner in this. All of those moments. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh God, Michael Bay is Blade Runner. <laughs> see, I would like I would at least like to see it. You know. <laughs> Yeah. There are so many, like, directors where it's like, I don't want that. <laughs> like, I would love to see Michael Bay try to do Blade Runner. <laughs> but I guess that's what this is. <clears throat> I guess this is that movie where it's like, this is Michael Bay trying to do a movie like that. And, kind uh, of, yeah. And it basically just feels like a movie where he's, he feels out of his depth for the first half, and then the second half it's like, oh, there's Michael Bay. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's it's ultimately very fine, I would say. Um, if someone told me they liked this movie, I wouldn't pick a fight with them. Yeah, I, I, you know what? I would still say it's like top five Bay, just because the stuff I like, I really like. But it's it's like a frustrating experience because like when when they give away all the the weirdness of of the science fiction dystopia stuff before the characters get to understand it and like discover it, mm-hmm. it's like. It's almost like the film's telling us, like, yeah, we know you've seen this before, but that doesn't make for, like, a compelling viewing experience, you know? It's like, I don't care if it's derivative, just, like, commit, man, you know? Yeah, well, that's the thing where I said, like, when we talk about this feeling like a pastiche of other films, it's one of these things where when you do something like that, you end up with a movie where the elements all feel like they're from different movies that don't fit together. So it ends up making the world, like, not really that cohesive, which is kind of important if you're doing a science fiction film like this. Mm-hmm. And it leads to frustration where, like, it's both, like, too complicated and too obvious, you know? It's that weird, like, well, of course they're clones. Like, you'll, you'll figure out they're clones pretty quickly. <laughs> With all their fucking names and shit. But hey, then... 2005 Diego was caught very off guard before he saw the way better films this was inspired by. Yeah, I got that. Hey, if you're a child, I mean... <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's literally what it comes to. Yeah, that was to. a good compliment for a movie. It's just really <laughs> entertaining if you're a fucking child. I mean, hey, look, you gotta start somewhere with your movie watching. Yeah, you know. See how the generation raised on Marvel films do. Oh, I'm... We don't need to get into that. <laughs> now, there's a movie... With, like, I, I just saw fucking Black Widow, and there's a movie with, like, the exact opposite problems. <laughs> Where it's like, they get the character stuff functioning, like, perfectly well, but then all the fucking action is boring as shit. Mm. <laughs> Which is pretty much, it's all the good and all the bad of the Marvel films in one movie. And this is kind of all the good and all the bad of Michael Bay in one film. Hmm. Oh, how's uh, Scarlett Johansson in that? Because, like, you know, she's, like, a talented actress, I think. She's just, like, a clown? <laughs> like, when she talks in interviews now? Yeah, I don't really... I, I don't pay attention to interviews, but I'm assuming she... She said some dumb things that I've seen rise to the surface. She's... Uh, to, to, to paraphrase you, she's ass out quite often. Yeah, it's... Unfortunately. Uh, it's, it's, you know... There was a time where she was, like, taking interesting roles. Mm-hmm. And, uh... I don't know, maybe... Well, maybe... she was in the Marvel stuff for so long, like, towards the end there, that, like... It just, it takes up all your time, you know? Maybe. And I I mean, that's not even like a criticism about the quality of the films. It's just like the production of them. They take up like years of your life. I'm going to blame. You can't say yes to other stuff. I'm blaming Colin Joust. 
who she's oh yeah that's fair too i feel like she might i'm just gonna go there although or she was always like that and then she found her perfect person to be with (laughs) which is unfortunately colin joust um yeah i don't know she's her character's fucking boring in this like mm-hmm. she doesn't really get a ton to do. Her big thing is that she can tell when Ewan McGregor's lying. <laughs> like that ends up being about it. And part of the problem is that they're all there's no real consistency with the whole thing about them. Like they're basically children, right? Mm-hmm. Like because they're clones, so they 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 they're basically mentally children. So it leads to her acting like a child. <laughs> Which, unfortunately, is hard to distinguish from some other women that appear in Michael Bay films. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, there's just not a ton here for her to do um, that I can think of. She's kind of just the, like, love interest. Yeah. I think one of the ways to fix this film is to kind of just, like, make them one character. Yeah. I... I... You know. Well, you need you, you, they kind of, they they're doing the man woman thing because it's like kind of Adam and Eve, you know. No, oh, like, yeah. well, yeah. I mean, there's a very specific point about like, well, we take away sexual desire from the clones, like that's said at one point, and then of course by the end of the movie they're like sexually attracted to each other, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like oh, Garden of Eden, they're aware of their nakedness, blah blah fucking blah, um, stuff that like I feel like someone somewhere could write an interesting paper on this movie. <laughs> That would be more interesting than the fucking movie. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel like I'd want it from her perspective, maybe. <laughs> I'm just sick of a guy, like, the Yuma character is so, like, basic, like, I'm not a conformist, man, you know? Mm-hmm. It's written by someone who has a very high opinion of themselves. Yeah, maybe you, you, you switch the, like, the main... POV character like uh, you know when Shane Black wrote like the long kiss goodnight like to make that film work he changed it from a man to a woman and it's like oh then it becomes about motherhood and mm. female identity and it like the, the film didn't, like didn't totally Black, fell into place didn't Shane Black say that he he was later regretted making it a woman lead did he oh no he has a quote somewhere and I think he was more talking about like the business side of it Oh, okay. Where he was like, the producer said, you can't have a woman lead, it won't make money. And then he was like, and it turned out they were right, the movie didn't make money. Mm. So, because I don't think, he hasn't done a female lead since, has he? No. Eh, you know. Now there's a good movie that's also got weird conspiracy undertones. Yeah, but that movie is also like a five-star experience, so. Yeah, but that movie directly invokes false flag operations. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and says that the World Trade Center bombing was probably done by the CIA. Mm. How is Shane Black alive? Yeah, well, this is the thing where it's like, we gotta get Shane Black, Michael Bay, and Oh Zach my Snyder. god, yes. No, 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 I'm, like, collaboration, that's fine. But I'm talking about get all them and Zack Snyder in a room, and we gotta ask him questions about 9-11. We gotta ask him questions about vaccines. <laughs> <laughs> gotta ask him questions about the election. <laughs> we gotta we gotta know where these fuckers stand on those things. <laughs> Cause it like once it's out there what they believe about all those things, it changes how you view all their movies. I feel like like Shane Black's mostly on the up and up when it comes to that stuff. Shane Black I, seems I feel right. comfortable. Yeah. But yeah. it's still it's weird it's that thing of, you know, uh, liberals can are totally susceptible to fucking crazy conspiracy theories as well. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, Bill Maher prides himself on being a liberal, and he's a pretty big conspiracy theorist. Yeah, he's he's also just conservative. Like, yeah, he, he doesn't know what words mean. That's the problem. Yeah, well, he's among he's, his other problems. What is it? I think it was Johnny Carson said the comedians' disease is that they all start thinking they've become philosophers. Yeah, and Bill Maher definitely has that problem. Yeah. My God, there there's like so few people on the planet that. I'd want to punch more than how I want to punch Bill Maher. I just don't want Bill Maher to ever be in the same state as me. (laughs) As long as that happens, I'm good. (laughs) Well, I live in California, so... Yeah, yeah. He's he's, he's definitely been around here. Where does he broadcast that fucking show no one watches? I don't know. Uh, I really love the music in this film. I think Steve Jablonski is one of the more underappreciated, like, blockbuster composers of the last two decades. Mm-hmm. And his work with Bay tends to, like, really strike a chord with me. And uh, there's a very familiar music cue at the end of this film. Yeah, that was, I don't know if I, you want to hold on to this. Um, well, you've, you went to music, so I assume you want to talk about it right now. I do. All right. It's from the Avatar trailer. Oh, Okay. Right. Yeah, the James Cameron Avatar trailer. I was like, like, I was watching that scene. I'm like, this is from something. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I guess it was. I must have seen the Avatar trailer more than I remember. Yeah, that was a very popular trailer. People were, I think, people forget how hyped we were for that movie, or people were for that movie. I wasn't super hyped for it. How did I that it work? Fine. How did that fucking work? I don't know. Like, what, what the fuck is James Cameron doing? What black magic is he in Legion with? That he got America to care about blue cat people. You know? My dad bought me my dad bought me a t shirt for Avatar before the movie was even out. Whoa, really? Yeah. yeah. And it was it was a it was a blue cat person face and its eyes glue in the glowed in the dark. Do you still have it? That might be worse. Um no, no. I, okay. I you know what it might be in a box somewhere. Um, but I would unironically wear an Avatar shirt now. You know how, uh, here's a question, you know how you've only seen your parents cry, like, a few times in your life? Yeah. One of the few times I saw my father cry was no. opening night of Avatar. Whoa. When the fucking tree burns down. Whoa. My father fucking cried at that. <laughs> what What is going on? <laughs> I think James Cameron just might literally be God. He might. And that's... But he's Old Testament God, obviously, right? Maybe. Like, he, he's... Uh, from the way he makes movies, he's very clearly Old Testament God. I have no, like, qualms with saying that. Um, but his stories are also incredibly powerful. Maybe the so. Avatar sequels will save the world. I mean, hey, if anyone's films can, like... Like, a while back, you asked me if you, if I think films can, like, organize people. I, I still don't know about that, but if anyone could, it's fucking James Cameron. It'd be wild if it did. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, James Cameron's, like... He's, he's pretty progressive for, like, a... a for a, a guy who's been married six filmmaker. times and yells a lot. <laughs> Yeah, for a dude who's very clearly someone I never want to work with in my entire life, I also have great respect for him as an artist. Does, isn't his story that he has, like, a nail gun on set, and he'll put it through your phone if it goes off? Look, no one's perfect. <laughs> 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 Michael Bay's also supposed to be kind of insane on sets. 
Yeah, someone threw an air conditioner at him in China on the making of Transformers 4. <laughs> so. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's just Not creative. a fan, yeah. an air conditioner. That's fucking wild. Yeah. That could have killed him. Like, that's, yeah. That is not, I'm just going to fuck with the director. <laughs> that is, I am going to kill Michael Bay. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's also, remember uh, fucking what's her name? Uh, Megan Fox called him Hitler. Yeah, and then she had to apologize because she wanted a career still, and that's fucked up. Yeah, hey, that's Spielberg. Spielberg fired yeah. her. So, yeah. welcome to but Happy H- Amblin. <laughs> oh. oh, yeah, this is kind of a, a side like Happy Amblin. Happy Amblin adjacent. This is, uh, yeah. I'm looking for, when we get to the DreamWorks years in that series, we've got a lot to talk about. I know. Mostly I know. about how Jeffrey Katzenberg sucks, but. Uh. He probably heard someone describing quick bites back then, and then it just, like, came back to him a decade later. What a fuck. And he was like, my god, I've got it. I've got it, Quibby. Yeah. <laughs> like how everyone could tell it was gonna be a disaster, Quibby. Oh, it's so... Be- Isn't that, like, so beautiful, though? Like, what a fantastic waste of money. Mm-hmm. Like, it's so fucking funny that that just happened. Yeah, but then... But we all saw the train crash coming. It would be funny if, like, then Jeffrey Katzenberg is, like, one of those washed-up billionaires who has to wear, like, a barrel for clothing. <laughs> if, like, that's how it ends, but instead he's still a billionaire. Oh, uh, yeah. Like, that's that, where it's that about is to be funny. Did you know Spielberg is worth $7 billion now? I feel like I did. Yeah, but he was, like, last I checked it was $3 billion. <laughs> No, well. Somehow that shocks me more. <laughs> It kind of does. Why doesn't he fund his own? Like he could literally pay for his own movie. To, I don't know. To be made. There's something up with fucking Spielberg. That's unfortunate. Yeah, something's going on there. And but also Spielberg definitely has that thing where he's definitely got you know every director has an ego. Mm-hmm. I think Spielberg still feels like I'm Steven Spielberg. Every movie I do has to like fucking bend culture around it in some way. Even though he hasn't been that in a while. And, I mean, there was, remember, there was that huge push for fucking Ready Player One, it was like, they were selling all those fucking t-shirts that had, like, Sixers written on them, or whatever they called themselves. I missed that entire marketing push. Well, yeah, Whoa. you had to go looking for it, was the thing. <laughs> hmm. But if you were paying attention, it was like, they really thought this was gonna be something. Well, I kind of... And then you watch the movie, and it's like Spielberg <laughs> being like, I kind of regret my whole career. <laughs> Oh, kind of, yeah. But, like, the film, like, that's another one that kind of vanished. That didn't fail at all, but, no. like, it, it came and went. Well, much like Ready Player One. I mean, the book kind of had the same arc. Mm-hmm. And to the point where the only reason people were talking about it recently was because the sequel was, like, such a train wreck. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which, you know. Not, not shocking. No, no, um, not at all. Yeah, this is it's weird. This is a this is a relic movie because it is like kind of the death of DreamWorks era. Because mm-hmm. DreamWorks is supposed to like fucking change the whole system, and uh, didn't do that. No, no, it didn't. The bi- the biggest thing DreamWorks brought the culture was Shrek, which is now the second time we've brought up Shrek on this retrospective. God, it it is, huh? Yeah, well, Kung Fu Panda. I mean. Yeah, I know but, it's not as big. But I know. Shrek is like the thing, and it's you know, 
they they're technically involved with Transformers, but that was like after Paramount bought them. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's where Spielberg just becomes like the businessman, you know. And it's mm-hmm. a shame. You wish he kind of could have stayed in that. He makes movies area. Yeah, like uh, I I am pro Spielberg doing dramas and stuff like that. Like I, I think the older you get, you do start appreciating like just a good old fashioned drama more and more. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do wish he did also like uh, more genre stuff. Like doesn't have to be huge, but like I'd like to see Spielberg like in, like in duel mode again or something like that. You know, but like a bigger budget duel. He almost did a horror movie with Stephen King. In like the late nineties. No, that's right. It it, he um was it Rose Red? Was it Rose Red? Like I think Rose Red came from that's a that's a mini series that was written by uh, King. I think that was like the beginning of what the I think it started as a Spielberg uh, King project. Oh, okay. I, I do remember he almost did uh, the house with the clock in its walls. Oh, like he yeah. was like there for like a second, and then well, he gave the it to Eli Roth. Like I said, like the thing once the DreamWorks era kicks in for Spielberg, it's him like buying scripts, so he's constantly circling projects, almost doing them, and then kind of hands them off to someone else. And I don't, like it's so weird. And like a lot of those movies end up being hits, or like moderate, like interesting movies. And now, like, Robe Apocalypse, I guess Bay might be doing Robe Apocalypse now. Which is yeah, that... he's been in talks to do it for, like, ever. That that one might just be in development hell. Yeah, but it was that thing of, like, Spielberg, like, was casting that movie. <laughs> and then, like, backed away from it. And then there was, like, Interstellar. Spielberg worked on Interstellar for years. And then Nolan does it. It's just weird. It feels like Interstellar would have been, like, a perfect film for Spielberg. Yeah, having just rewatched Tenet... Uh, on an insane amount of cough medicine. <laughs> I have to say that uh, that film does get better with every viewing, and I've never wanted Nolan to not direct a film more than I did with Interstellar. And mm. I like Interstellar. That's so obviously a Spielberg film. Yeah. Like, it's it's screaming to be a Spielberg film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's how that movie ends up sticking the landing. Yeah. I guess the only thing is that the, the original script for Interstellar is supposed to be, like, insane. Like, they were supposed to go through, like, multiple wormholes, and, like, they were going to run into, like, Chinese astronauts that had gotten lost in there, like, years before and shit. You ever heard those stories? No, I, I actually know very little about that. All I know is that he, he was writing it with, like, actual physicists. Like, that's how it was getting developed. And then at some point mm. Spielberg was just like, eh, I'm not going to do it. And then... God damn it, Steve! And then Bay came on and was like, I want to strap an IMAX camera to the side of a fighter jet. And they were like, all right. <laughs> And uh, that was a fucking, like, that movie made, like, $700 million. Yeah, that's kind of nuts how, like, popular that film was. Like, people's, like, normal people still talk about that movie. Yeah, I showed up to that movie way early and, like, I couldn't find a seat. (laughs) Like, that's pretty cool, honestly. Yeah, it's cool. That's kind of like the thing where it's like, even when Nolan movies maybe don't connect with me as much, at least he's still getting original projects done that are then getting seen by a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And I know the, the the cool film Twitter thing. We've talked about this in like the Dark Knight episode, but like people like shit on Nolan. That you don't have to like him, but mm-hmm. it is pretty cool that, that there's like a mainstream filmmaker that people basically know and respect as much as Steven Spielberg now. Yeah. 
I was at a I was at a Fourth of July dinner and there was a guy talking about like we're talking movies and he was like yeah I'm just starting to, like really get into movies and he started talking about Nolan and how much he liked Nolan and it was like I you know what am I gonna be like the film sort of thing be like oh you must think fucking this shit's brilliant <laughs> and it's like no you know a lot of people start there <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's like hey you know if you like Nolan check this shit out you know yeah yeah which is all you can really do and but like so- and no. Nolan is also a huge Michael Bay fan. That's not just me pivoting back to the island, but, like, he, he genuinely likes Michael Bay. Well, a lot of directors clearly like Bay. I mean, Spielberg, like I said, Spielberg handpicked him, and everyone at DreamWorks was like, why him? Like, <laughs> Sorry, I just, like, imagine that room. Yeah. It was weird. Like, a lot of the guys didn't understand. There's a lot of talk about, like, the, the producers that eventually were in charge, like, didn't really know how to handle Michael Bay. <laughs> mm and he was always asking for more, and they're like, well, we don't have the money. So then Bay... The reason there's, like, a weird Xbox scene in this movie is because, like, he needed money to pay for some of the action scenes. So, like, Bay, like, on his own, cut a deal with Microsoft for, like, a product placement. And then fucking got, like, a million dollars to put in the movie. I... You know what? I think... I, I think the product placement in this is actually pretty smart. For Michael uh, Bay? No. <laughs> no, I, I think he's actually trying to show just, like, the overwhelming corporatization and privatization of, like, everything. No. I No, no I genuinely believe that. I'm no, sorry. I think he was like, I have a scene where they play video games. It should be an Xbox. Well, okay, that's where it starts, but I do believe that he does try to make that like, happen throughout the film. That like, scene, though, doesn't make... I, I will not stand by the Xbox moment. Oh, like, the Xbox one, I got nothing. That makes But no the rest of the sure, film... the rest is fine. Okay. The rest is fine. <laughs> like, whatever. But the Xbox makes no sense on any level. No, it's so funny. Even when I first saw it, and, like, again, I said the movie blew me away at that age. <laughs> Even I was like, Xbox? <laughs> like... It's supposed to be a post-apocalypse. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I guess they won the... The console arms race. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, that's when I had, uh, I had the Xbox back then too. Mm-hmm. And I was like, fuck yeah. No, but also a, why? You had an original <laughs> Xbox? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I was, shit. I was a big Xbox head. You could see, actually, if you watch a lot of movies from this area, you could tell that that was Microsoft's strategy to be like, we're going to make Xbox the game system in every movie and TV show. Mm-hmm. Like they worked really hard to do that. And uh, it might have worked, because then, like, 360 is, like, huge next. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because that was the thing. They, like, lost money on the first Xbox to make money on the 360. That's the corporate strategy. Yeah. No way this is going to blow up in everyone's face soon. Hey. <laughs> <sighs> How's uh, Google whatever? Oh, my God. They did have a game system, huh? Yeah. How about Amazon Game Studios? Oh. Isn't it a little weird that the largest company in the United States is very bad at running things? That is weird. Isn't it weird? Isn't it weird? Don't know how that happens. Doesn't it feel like maybe it's a house of cards that is held up by nothing and doesn't actually make profit? Well, you know, once you find out that banks don't actually make money on loans, (laughs) like... You do start to lose your mind a little bit. Isn't it? Yeah. Doesn't it not make sense, like, anything about our economy at all? <laughs> mm-hmm. You're like, oh, this isn't real. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, 
that's why the island is secretly brilliant. Because once you do find out the world makes no sense, you do have to go on a high-speed chase with Scarlett Johansson and overthrow uh, everything. That's the thing about fucking... That's why the Trump era has ruined everything. Because now every movie that doesn't make sense makes sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's like, yes, evil people would be that incompetent. Like, I mean, yeah, that's just so, like, anger-inducing about the world. It's like, you know, you always heard, well, these villains wouldn't do that. That's not very smart. That's too evil and obvious. Like, mm-hmm. no one's going to buy into that. And it's just like, literally this morning or last night, there's that quote where Donald Trump was like, everyone thought I'd get better after the two recall uh, or two, uh, two impeachment trials. But no. I got worse. And it's like, <laughs> dude, what is it? What? Who talks like that? What does that mean? Um. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's it's a little. It, nothing makes sense in the last days of America. Every so. day I wake up just wanting to rip the skin off my face. Yeah, you know, yeah, I've been feeling that way for a little bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's what kind of. I guess the thing that, to me... I'm talking about this movie, Hating People. This might be, like, the most cynical thing I'll ever say. (laughs) I feel like a better version of this movie would be that everyone's aware of what's happening. Except the people in, like, the... Except the clones. Like, this movie makes it... The movie makes it very clear that all the people who are, like... All the billionaires, all the people that are funding this, they think they're just, like, these slabs of, like like, bio-meat that are grown in labs that can grow organs, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, they're not live, they're not sentient, they're just these things, but it's it's bullshit. And it's there's actually all these clones out there, and if people know the truth, they'll do something about it. And I'm not saying that, like, people would be complacent with this kind of thing, but I am saying that I think a corporation could get away with just doing this. You know... It kind of another film this reminds me of is Total Recall, which Total Recall handles like, like it more satirical elements mm-hmm. that I don't think Bay is really capable of. But the idea that like it, it does become like a chase movie at a certain point, and it starts hitting these beats about like agency and like identity and who you are isn't really who you think you are, and you are who you choose to be and stuff like that. That is ultimately the message of like the island too, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think that film, under Total Recall, understands the, the evils of privatization. And I think the island is like a cartoon version of the cartoon satire Total Recall. Yeah, Total Recall probably has the best moment where uh, they're, they're like, they, every, the bad guys have basically won at a certain point. And then they're like, hey, can we turn the air back on? And he just looks at the picture and he's like, fuck them. Like, yeah, <laughs> which it, that seems a little more realistic, uh-huh. unfortunately. So yeah, you know, I'd actually be open to like a remake of the island. Honestly, mm-hmm. it would probably be like a a mini series or something at this point, or like a television show. Yeah, no, cause... this isn't worth it. But um, no, you know, I think so. That, I think like, there's the, stuff here. The one change would be just like no one gives a shit, really, or like the people in power don't give a shit. Like people probably do. But, you know, it's like, you know. Well, again, it'd be like Total Recall where you see, like, oh, no, there are people, like, revolutionaries, like, hiding out and, like, mm-hmm. uh, in an ongoing guerrilla warfare type thing against, like, uh, uh, what's-his-face, the bad guy in that film. Yeah. 
and here, Cohagen. then you would see that Cohagen, thank you. <laughs> and then you see the, you know, people trying to like free the clones in the real world or whatever mm-hmm. in, in the island. Like that, I, I see what you're saying. I and mean, Blade Runner twenty forty whatever kind of tapped into that. <laughs> what I don't remember the year. Twenty forty nine. Sure. Um, isn't this movie supposed to take place in two thousand nineteen? Yeah. Hey, Which was a uh, uh, a very odd way to record back in two thousand nineteen about this film. Hey, <laughs> why? What yeah. was happening? Oh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Man, Everything. there's no way shit could get worse than two thousand nineteen. 2020 that's our year (laughs) it's gonna be our decade (laughs) things are going great things are going great uh well we're we're not really talking about the plot and like i guess we don't really need to but i also want to shout out uh jimon honso who is i think a remarkable actor who's never gotten like the roles he deserves yeah i don't know why um other than racism yeah, like, uh, I I probably talked about it before, but, like, I kind of have a soft spot for the trashy Blood Diamond film, which is, like, very white savory and all that bullshit. <clears throat> but Jamon Honso gives an unbelievably good performance in that movie. And it's like, oh, this should launch him into the stratosphere. God and damn, it just he, didn't. He has done, like, three movies where he is, it's like a white savior movie, and then he's, he's the black guy in it. Yeah. Like... That's weird. That's yes. weird. Um, yeah. Oh, the, but he, he's in uh, Matthew Vaughn's The King's Man later this year. I'm sure oh, that'll end well. Oh, boy. Didn't that movie get reshot, like, completely? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think it did. Because it, just... it was supposed to come out in, like, 2019. Yeah, and then they pushed it back, and then COVID happened. Yeah. So. But that's weird. Yeah. Those movies suck. Fuck I like movies. the first one still, but I, I'm not going to defend him anymore. Because once you see Ma- uh, like the second one, it's like, oh, this is Matthew Vaughn. Got it. I'm done. Yeah. Yeah, that one broke me. So. Fuck movies. Um, um, but yeah, Jamon Honso, someone do something. <laughs> he's too good. Yeah. He was even he, like he's just too good. <laughs> and now he's like falling in this weird thing of being like really like minor, like antagonistic characters. Like he's done that a few times. Yeah, he was in fucking um, Quiet Place Part Two, and basically, oh, basically wasted in it. God, he's got like it. one really good scene where it's like that's why they got him for it, and then uh, uh, it, it gets it gets dumb with his character real quick. But god damn it, you know what? I actually like Quiet Place Two. Oh, okay. But I have not seen a Quiet Place. So, <laughs> all right. I think I got the Quiet Place experience. Just, I just skipped to the sequel. Uh, okay, good, good for you, I guess. Yeah, you know. I haven't seen a Quiet Place too, so we will see. Yeah, because what I heard, it's just like kind of like an ep- like an extended epilogue of the first movie. Okay. So, but I haven't seen the first movie, so it felt mm. refreshing. Well, speaking of Michael Bay uh, connections, John Krasinski, I actually think he's a pretty solid director, like a, a yeah, nice you know little what? workman at least. Yeah, he's a he's a very functioning director, I guess you could say. And you know, say what you will about those Quiet Place movies, it's nice to see a movie where information is given to you visually, <laughs> which yeah, seems to be I... happening less and less in Hollywood. And, like, I've heard this continues in A Quiet Place, too. But the writing is, like, not the strength of those films. Mm. 
but I, I really am interested to see what he does next as a director. Yeah, I'd be like, interested too. Yeah. I was thinking of, uh, again, not to bring it up, but I, I saw Black Widow recently, like I said. And that's a movie where there's like a there's like kind of a twist in it in, towards the end. And you can basically figure out what happened without the movie explaining it, right? Mm-hmm. Like once the twist happens, you go, oh, okay, that's what happened. But then the movie does like an extended flashback where they basically spell out exactly what happened. And it's like, you really didn't need that. Yeah. Well, that's like what happened with like in WandaVision. I was like into that show. And then the fourth episode just hits you. No, 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 don't worry. We're going to explain everything. Don't yeah. worry. It's not too weird. It's not too weird. It's okay. And then I was like, nah, I don't need this. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. It's That's that's the Marvel problem, you know? They just they don't trust their audience. Mm-hmm. And frankly, uh, being in a theater with people, seeing Black Widow, um, I don't trust their audience either. <laughs> <laughs> well... You know, the one thing I'll say about Michael Bay... Hey, Neelix is in this movie. <laughs> what? Neelix from Star Trek Voyager. Yeah, yeah, I know Neelix. He's Ethan Phillips, he's the guy who, like, he's like, I figured out how to win the lottery. That's right! Yeah. Oh, he's, the, he's Ewan McGregor's little buddy. Yeah, he's, he kind of becomes the heart of the movie at a certain point. <laughs> like, yeah. I, where the um, movie kind of turns into, like, we have to save Neelix. <laughs> <laughs> It's a little more complicated than that. But yeah, but yes. like for the audience, we're like, oh no, if they don't win, the Neelix is gonna die, <laughs> and a few other people who we don't know. Yeah, that I mean, that is also part of the problem. We don't get to know anyone else mm. in the film, and I'll say that works for like the the chase sections of the film in the back half. I, I genuinely think that's kind of a an interesting idea, but we do need to get to know more of the clones. Yeah. In the first half, and we just we just don't. We get Michael Clark Duncan, who is great. Miss him every day. What a terrific oh, actor! You know what? He's fantastic in this. He has like three scenes, mm-hmm. and they're all good. And... Dude, when he when he uh, gets dragged off to death, yeah. that's like sad. <laughs> He's like so killing awful. it. Yeah, that's like an incredibly dark moment, and that's after a pregnant woman is killed. Like, it's somehow darker. <laughs> He's running with, like, his exposed organs out, you know? Yeah. Like... This isn't rated R, right? It's PG-13. No, no, it's PG-13. I think you can tell, like, he definitely shot it in a way where you don't see a ton of blood. But it's still, yeah, like, and the like, idea of it is horrifying. Yeah, because you, you see, like, the clamps in his chest when they're preparing to operate on him, and then he gets up, and then you kind of just see them in passing after that. Yeah. Um... Yeah, that, that's that's fucked up. Michael I like Clark his Duncan. whole what a, like what a terrific performance. I like his whole mini story that they they kind of go a little overboard where a fucking uh, what's her name from Community pops up for a second. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Yvette Nicole um, Brown. Um, yeah, yeah. She shows up. She's pretty funny in her one scene mm-hmm. where she's like, "It looks like they're busy," um, <laughs> and then she has to act actually frightened, and she, it works. And uh, she, uh, it's. It's a really good, like, minor story of him being, like, he was only on the, he was only in the facility for six months, right? And then it already goes to the island, which is, like, upsetting to other people. It's like, why did he get to go? He's only been here six months. And then, like, as you piece what's going on with him, it's like, oh, he's a clone of a football player. So, like, whoever, whenever you join fucking the NFL in the future, you just immediately get a clone. Because they know you're going to get fucked up. <laughs> Like, that's an incredible little story buried in this. 
Uh, hang on. There's also, there's someone else I want to shout out from another NBC show called Chuck. I don't know if you ever saw Chuck. I saw parts of Chuck. Um, okay, I, Big Mike. Yeah. Big Big Mike is the the construction worker who who helps them up when he's like, "Oh, I know Jesus loves you." Because <laughs> yeah. Michael Bay always has to have his little comedy beats in the big action stuff, and you know what? Call me cynical. Call me too too kind to these films. They're working on me more often than not at this point. Yeah. So. Sure. Fuck it. I saw that guy, and I honestly thought it was the dude from the Weird Al fat music video. <laughs> oh. I haven't seen that, so it might be. I don't know. He had this very similar look. Okay. Um, but, yeah. Who's the guy who's, like, the one, like, annoying clone that no one really likes? Who's that actor? Uh. I don't know. Let me see. Brian Stepanek? Yeah, he's been in stuff. Yeah, he's... Oh, well, of course, he's Mr. Givens in Young Sheldon. Oh, all right. I I'm, I just saw that on IMDb. <laughs> I've never seen that show. I know I've seen him in stuff, and I can't really place it. No, he, he's, he's been around. He, he's one of those guys for sure. And he's probably been in other Michael Bay stuff, come to think of yeah, it. Yeah, you're probably right. The guy who played the principal on uh, Phil of the Future shows up for like one scene. I missed Phil of the Future. Um, Should I go back and check it out? Absolutely not. Okay. (laughs) None of those shows really hold up. Even Stevens. I I have not watched even Stevens. All right. Isn't it? Hey, it's a little weird that like in the past year, like basically all the stars of those shows have gone through some horrific shit. Why? What's Shia LaBeouf up to? Hey. Oh, I was rooting for that comeback. That one really hurt. Yeah, that actually. one. That one did kind of hurt. You yeah. know. Um. <sighs> Steve Buscemi. Know. Steve Buscemi. Oh yeah, let's talk about Steve Buscemi. Maybe uh, the greatest actor of his generation. Yeah. And I'm not even joking. Uh, one of the greatest, at least. He's great because he sells stuff that absolutely shouldn't work. <laughs> yeah. Um. Although I do like when he's explaining to the clones with their clones. It's like a five-minute scene where he gets to monologue. Yeah. And the first two minutes of it are basically different ways of saying your clones before he says your clones. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know what, like, did no one read that beforehand? Like, it's not bad. It's just like, it's, it is it's strange. your clones and then explained from there. Yeah, like it feels like the version of that scene in another movie would be like you're clones, and then they don't know what clones are because they're like children, right? Mm-hmm. And then he has to try and explain. He can't really do it because he's like a fucking construction worker who goes to a bar. Oh, there's a gay <laughs> joke in this. Oh, um, there are lots of gay jokes in the early Michael Bay stuff. Yeah, yeah, and the later Michael Bay stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I just think a painting game where it's like inexplicably a scene takes place in like a gay sex shop. Oh, cause um, you know, then uh, well, <laughs> yeah, I got nothing. <laughs> just Michael Bay is is a little juvenile. Hey, do you I remember think? that part in Pain and Gain when they get sentenced to death and it's like shot like it's supposed to be funny? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's going on there, man? Well, I don't know, <laughs> but that's kind of why I admire him. I guess, yeah. There's like an audacity to it. Mm. 
I mean, that that's kind of why I, at the bottom of my heart at least, I have a special place for Michael Bay films because of the audacity of all of them. He is what he is, you know? Yeah, I mean, Sir Anthony Hopkins called him a genius. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean... If Sir Anthony Hopkins calls someone a genius, you shut up and listen to the man. Did I tell you that the thing I, I thought about uh, Anthony Hopkins in the Transformers movies that I didn't realize like wasn't true until like way later? What did you think? I, I don't know where this got in my head, but I thought Anthony Hopkins in Transformers The Last Night was Winston Churchill. <laughs> I think he did tell me that. And I'm just like, sure, Winston Churchill's here now. <laughs> works with the Transformers. I was a little disappointed to find out he wasn't Winston Churchill. <laughs> I'd watch that movie. Like, fuck it at this point. Like, just... Just Darkest Hour, but with Transformers. Yeah, exactly. We will never the Transformers surrender were at Dunkirk. <laughs> oh my god, can you imagine? <laughs> We win the Battle of Dunkirk. <laughs> no, no, when... Optimus Prime shows up. No, when Kenneth Branagh, he's looking out to the sea, and his commander is like, what is that, sir? And he's like, home. And then it's Optimus with the Transformers it's music. Cybertron. Dun-dun-dun-dun. I know that Transformers music by heart. It's really good. I, you know what? I, I just can't bring myself to really revisit those movies. They were no, all... no, I'm not even telling you to revisit the movies. I just think the, the scores are really good in those movies. That's too Even close. when they don't deserve it. I feel like I'm going to get, like, lung cancer, like, secondhand smoke. Oh. But... <laughs> <laughs> um, but Steve Buscemi, I want to go back to him because, uh... He dies horribly. A lot of horrible... That's, you know, that's something I actually kind of appreciate about this era of Michael Bay. Michael Bay wasn't afraid to, like, kill likable characters. Mm-hmm. Where, like, I think that's why... Excuse me. Armageddon kind of has its staying power. Like, oh, because like, half that team just, like, gets yeah, wiped out immediately? Owen Wilson doesn't even make it to the asteroid. Yeah. And, like, oh, let me tell you. When I first saw that movie, I was a big Owen Wilson... I'm still an Owen Wilson fan, obviously, but, like... I was like, oh, I love Owen Wilson. <laughs> and then I see that movie and I was like, no! But like, like, I was so sad. You get like, you get someone like uh, uh, Max or whatever. Was that the guy, the big guy in it? Mm-hmm. He was like, like yeah, yeah. one of like, his divine things. He's like, I just want to live to see the Cubs win a World Series. And he fucking just blows up. Yeah. That's a pretty brutal movie at the end of the day. It is. I, I kind of... I, I want more of that. Like, get that Michael Bay to do a Suicide yeah. Squad movie. Another movie, though, where I could be like, cut 30 minutes. Like, fucking... God damn, oh, you, you could you could do a lot with that movie. Yeah. <laughs> you could do a lot with that movie. I'm not gonna go super hard to bat for that one, but... Yeah, maybe you cut could do a lot. The, the late era Aerosmith in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to close my eyes. <laughs> Hey, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah, but yeah, Steve Buscemi goes out. He, he, he like, kind of like, damn. He, he's the one who like, he, although I, here's something I don't fucking understand about this movie. So like, one of the things that starts happening is they realize that Ewan McGregor's like, whatever group he was grown with has a flaw in it where they will develop curiosity at a certain point and they won't be docile like they're supposed to. 
which is how he was able to like learn things, correct? Mm-hmm. But then the movie also kind of implies that it's because his buddy is Steve Buscemi, who's like been giving him stuff that he's not supposed to. <laughs> mm. But he's also having dreams about the boat. Yes. A lot happening here. <laughs> stuff like we could go into, but it's also like not really worth it. <laughs> well, it's it's just very inconsistent, you know. Mm-hmm. Like uh, we were talking about how Michael Bay is like. He's got stuff in his mind, but he's inconsistent to, like, when he wants to, like, apply it or, like, how long it keeps his focus, you know, mm. or keeps his attention. And that's kind of in the writing, too, which is, like, it, it's very unfortunate because, like, I, I keep describing it as, like, a very frustrating experience because I want to love it. And I don't love this film. Yeah. But there's stuff in it where I'm like, God, it's so close. It's so close to being, like, Michael Bay's, like potentially best film if it all came together perfectly and i guess that was another problem with it i guess in the dreamworks book they talk about this was a very quick turnaround for this movie that like they basically hit the ground running on the thing because they were Mm. desperate to get movies out for the year 2005 (laughs) it was at one point it was like one of only two movies they had coming out in 2005 whoa okay release date july 22nd 2005 Principal photography began October 24th, 2004. Yeah. That's fucking crazy. Exactly. For a movie this big? Jesus. I mean, it's amazing that it even functions. Yeah, you know what? That Putting that movie on that curve, uh, I appreciate it even more, honestly. That's pretty crazy. All right, can, here's, a, here's a moment in the movie. There's a scene where he complains about tofu. I just want to point that out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is something that's starting to get on my radar as a problem. That there's anti-tofu, uh, pro-meat stuff that seems to be getting more and more popular in our culture. And I'm a little concerned about it. Um, also, he doesn't... Ewan McGregor's character, the clone, doesn't know what God is. Um, I feel like that would be a good way to control people. Yeah, huh. I feel like uh, you could have maybe said something there. Maybe. But they don't want to risk offending anyone. I feel like everyone who worked on this has never read Marx. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know where you got that idea. Hey, what are you going to (laughs) do? Yeah, Maybe you don't have to remake this movie like I was talking about, but you could take, like, the derivative concepts and make them more interesting with, like, a lens like that. Remake parts the clonus horror. Which I believe I has I like that it has basically the same plot about cloning people for organs. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's like a. Is it good? Um, if you like B movies, it's fine. All right. So like seventies, I think Mystery Science Theater did an episode on it. Oh, okay. It's one of these things where it's it's this weird thing of like, wow, I can't believe they were thinking about this in nineteen seventy. You know, like mm-hmm. sometimes you're kind of amazed at how much those movies get right. I mean, looking back at, like, the history of film, you know, like, some stuff gets, like, kind of, um, like, praised now as, like, being, like, so progressive or, what, or like, mm-hmm. really, like, new and exciting. It's like, they did stuff like this before. Yeah. It's just now they're repackaging it to us. And it doesn't mean they're not good. It's just, like, you know, if you're interested in movies, there's other stuff out there like anything you're watching now. Mm-hmm. And that's that's kind of what's so exciting about the history of film, you know? I mean, like, the Battle of Algiers would, like, blow people away now if more people saw it, you know? Yeah, probably. But, 
I don't want to get into a whole. If thing people are like, that. why isn't Batman in it? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, like once you watch like any film from like the German Expressionist era, you're like, oh, this is where Tim Burton got it from. Yeah, yeah. I hope all those kids that were in the Tim Burton like will watch those movies. Some of them do. I, I know some of them that were super into Tim Burton and now are like, yeah, I'm done with him. And they've gone back to check out his influences. Not not all of them for sure, but, you know, some do it. We should do Tim Burton movies on here one of these days. We talked about Batman Returns for good. <laughs> What's a good Tim Burton? Has Tim Burton ever directed a big flop? Are you serious? I really can't think of one. Like... Well, his last, like, decade of films alone. Yeah, but they made money. Not all of them. A lot of them did. Really? Yeah. Like, Dumbo the... made money. Oh, that's unfortunate. Like, not as much. I think it, I think it like, made $350 million or something like that, but that's still money. Michael Bay's Dr. Caligari. <laughs> now there's a movie. Oh, wow. Like, didn't Dark, Dark Shadows, didn't Dark Shadows make money? Ah, eh, not really. Dark I, Shadows. No, 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 that one, that one was a bomb. That one bombed. Yeah. But I just remember he kept kind of getting, like, it was, like, shocking that his movies did as well as they did. Yeah. Well, Tim Burton was a marquee name for a while. How much did Mars Attacks do? Because Mars Attacks would be great to do. 70 million budget, 101 million box office. I mean, that's a bomb. Yeah. That's an interesting <laughs> movie. We can do that. We can do it one day. Yeah. Gear up for next year. <laughs> I, I don't know how much else there is to talk about the island. Well, Ewan McGregor meets his clone. I mean, his original person. Um, who uh, turns on him. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, that was just like so matter of fact. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, it's just, you know. Like I said, where it's, you know. I, I Here's where I say where I talk about like cynicism and shit like that where it's like I'm the guy who said that I, I think a better version of this movie would be one where everyone's kind of aware that this is happening which is probably more cynical <laughs> but a movie like this where Ewan McGregor's original person turns on his clone because he's like hey man I want to live I think in a weird way it lets the audience off the hook of being like well I wouldn't do that I wouldn't make a decision that this simple person made, you know? Mm-hmm. You don't have to think about, like, the large system of it all. I think I think that's sort of, like, evil. It's a weird way of being like, all right, there's the bad guy who did this. I wouldn't do that in this situation. And then, but then all you have to do is look at what stuff that even good people just kind of passively accept about our world today. Or we ultimately feel powerless to stand up to. <laughs> and, uh... Yeah, I think to boil it down to, like... Well, people do whatever they want to survive. Excuses horrible shit our governments and corporations do as just being human nature. Which is bullshit. That's a pretty good point. Yeah. Yeah. Goddamn right it's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean... Yeah. If movies can't organize us at the very least, need to like speak to something truthful, mm-hmm. and you know that would at least, if it doesn't plant ideas in people's minds, it's out there. You know, it's yeah. it, it would make the film at least a, a, 
a more active viewing experience too. Well, the problem because is like, like just like on the on the baseline like film engagement level, it's not that exciting to watch. Yeah, you know, and I think that well being a, a much more aligned with our like own, our own political philosophies um, would definitely spruce up like the stuff in the second half from just being like a twisty turny plot machine. Well, if you want to talk about fucking ethics in a movie or something, like there's a there's a good moment in this where we're revealed like Scarjo was chosen to go to the island, and it turns out she's a clone of like a supermodel, right? Mm-hmm. And the supermodel was in a car accident and needs multiple organ replacements, right? And it's like, well, we have to do this within forty eight hours or she dies. So that's an interesting ticking clock, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, what are the ethics of that? Like, should this woman... And we meet the... We, we, at one point, ScarJo calls the number and, like, talks to her original person's child. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that's... A, that's this kid's gonna lose a mother. Like, that's... It's a weird place to be in. Mm-hmm. In terms of a story. And you could have done something with that without even adding, like, this whole other element, like, I wanted to bring in. And it's weird mm-hmm. that they throw it out there and it's like, we have 48 hours to do this. And then they just kind of forget about it. Yeah, that's, again, it's an aggravating experience. <laughs> it's an interesting concept and idea, and, and it's it's, uh, it's it's really frustrating. The one thing that's less frustrating for me, again, I think, is uh, the Jamon Honso character, who has, like, a genuine arc yeah. that doesn't, that doesn't like, hit all the, the beats it needs to, but he has an arc from being, like, just, you know, just another hired gun, another dude doing a job. Uh, a very cynical passe job of hunting down clones and then you know kind of realizes their own agency and helps them uh, uh achieve like you know sentience and and, and uh gain their own identities yeah. apart from that and what do you know it this film also uh kind of relegates him to a supporting role of a white savior yeah so which is unfortunate it's 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 a shame, and also again, like not to be too mean, but it's like I do. It's also part of that cynical thing I thought, where it's like the one character doing the wrong thing, it lets the audience off the hook, being like, "I wouldn't do that." But then when he does the right thing, you go, "I would do that in that situation." Mm. I think it's a way of just making the audience feel good about themselves. And you know, Michael Bay makes crowd pleasing movies. I understand why he made that this, those decisions. All these decisions seem to be made to make this movie uh, enjoyable for a mass audience. And, and then no one saw it. Yeah, and then no one saw it. And that, Just because you can't market this fucking movie. Mm-hmm. As much as I hate marketing people, I do think they kind of had a point where it's like they didn't know how to market it. Although, well, like this, I said... This one's definitely a little weirder than like the usual stuff that they say yeah. they can't market. Well, like I said, I, my big problem with marketing is I don't know any other industry where you hire them to do something and then they say, we can't do it. Like, the amount of stories you hear about marketing where it's like, we don't know how to market this movie. And it's like, it's your fucking job. Figure, find a way. <laughs> to let those people dictate so much about what goes into a movie is infuriating. Because marketers are like the least creative people on earth. <laughs> so, I feel like there was probably a way you could have just been like... I mean, think about it. Inception's like a few years is like, you know, not that far later. <laughs> And that whole movie is like, what is it? What's going on? You know? 
Like, they didn't tell you what the movie was in any of the trailers. <laughs> or the fucking The Matrix. The whole Matrix marketing thing was, what is The Matrix? Like, you could have done something where it's like, what is the island? Yeah, and instead they just show the big, like, yeah. highway chase scene, which is also um, has footage reused for it in Transformers 3. Oh, yes. yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Um, hey, what I mean, you? hey, it's a good chase scene. just goes on for fucking ever. Michael Bay, it was a smart choice to take something from the movie that no one saw. <laughs> yeah, honestly. Yeah, good, good for Michael Bay. Yeah. I mean, like, he does kind of just shoot, like, whatever. He says he goes in with a game plan. I, I don't really believe him <laughs> when it comes to the action I'm stuff. Guessing... But he does shoot, like, a lot of interesting angles and stuff like that. The problem is he's shooting everything. <laughs> And, like, assembling it later. Hey, did you know some of the producers on this that were some of the big DreamWorks people? They went on to produce movies like Men in Black International, uh, Rings, uh, and uh, allegedly they're, they're working on that Gladiator sequel they keep talking about. That's not happening. And uh, that Barbie movie that I believe now just got, what's her name, is going to direct it? Greta Gerwig's writing and directing yeah. and starring Margot Robbie. So they can fuck off because that team sounds incredible and now they're on a fucking Barbie movie. Yeah. I mean, hey, you know, whatever. This, this isn't anti-Barbie. It's just me being tired of IP. Yeah. That's, Cash those that's checks, Greta. Yeah, no, no, good good for the team. It's just like, God, you can get like the most talented people on Earth and you have to stick them into Here's IP the thing. slots now. I feel like that... Those people doing it are going to do a very, like, tongue-in-cheek, like, satire of Barbie. It feels like that's the group you just got to do the Barbie movie. Mm -hmm. And no one's going to want to see that. I'm sure the movie they make will be good. No, no, I'm sure it'll be good, too, but I'm just saying, in terms of, like, appealing to people, it's not going to be good. No, no, I I think it's probably going to, like, It's going to be, like, at best, it'll be, like, Josie and the Pussycats. Oh, ooh, okay, hey. Hey, great hey. movie, great movie, fucking bombed. Mm-hmm. This movie seems like, I gotta be honest, uh, I don't think this financially makes a lot of sense. <laughs> you realize how much money it would cost to keep an operation like this functioning, and also secret? A lot. Yeah, doesn't make sense, unless you're a 9 truther. Yeah. Yeah. I will say, though, there is a reading you can do on it that I don't think the movie intends, but it's kind of interesting in a post, uh, like, Theranos world, where uh, maybe Sean Bean set out to do what he initially did with the, the organ harvesting thing, where it's like, oh, you know, they're just these sacks of bio meat and stuff. Mm-hmm. Maybe that was his intention, but he could never really get it to work. So he's like, well, we'll just clone a few for now until we get the science working, and then they never got the science working. And so it's like a lie that just spun out of control. Which seems Mm. to be how a lot of stuff happens in, like, Silicon Valley world. Mm. This movie also totally... I think it's an early uh, iPod dystopian future movie. (laughs) Oh, yeah, the the big white stuff. Like, I mean, Abrams kind of hijacks this look for, like, his his Enterprise. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah, but his. I, but I think Enterprise, there's a lot of crossover between the visuals of those two directors. Yeah, but the Enterprise is supposed to look fun and cool, and every Apple store looks like. <laughs> 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 uh, 
Ugh. Yeah, yeah. God, I get terrified every time I'm in an Apple store. Oh, they're cloning people in the back for their computer parts. For the, the geniuses? <laughs> yeah. The Apple geniuses are who won't fucking leave me alone. Yeah. Do you know anyone who works at an Apple store? Think you, about it. Hey, you're right. And yeah, where are they getting all these geniuses? <laughs> there can't be that many geniuses. And what about the Best Buy Geek Squad? <laughs> no, no, no. Th- those are just the losers. <laughs> They're the reject clones. <laughs> the ones that, that couldn't be Apple geniuses, so they joined the Geek Squad. You remember that moment where like, you started talking to one of those guys and you realized you knew more than them? <laughs> geek squad uh, geek squad the island squad the island geek squad you're going to the island <laughs> um they do go to an island at the very end of the film after they free all the clones everyone's running a lot yeah neelix seems happy for a little bit yeah don't know what happens after that, but like I'm sure everything worked out. It was totally fine. We just get gunned down yeah. by this military. <laughs> no, it, it is a very like exciting hurrah. We can allow these know? clone immigrants to take our jobs. Oh no, <laughs> that's the sequel. The Island Two Cruise Control. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Somehow um, involves a boat. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. Yeah, the final image is the boat. Um, I will say... Uh, Whoever came ending... up with the title Speed 2 Cruise Control should be shot. No, no, it's perfect. <laughs> it's but I will say, the, the, the ending of the film, uh, like the ending sequence where all the clones are running out and stuff like that, it's very like visually invigorating. The white suits against like the harsh desert sands and stuff like that. Uh, but then you also run into the problem where it's like it should be this this moment that kind of elevates the audience and like gets everyone excited, but you also don't really know what you're looking at. Yeah, for a couple I, of the that's, shots. That's kind of the problem. And that's totally the again the Michael Bay problem where it's like he loves his telephoto lens, he loves his like movement of the cameras and the swooshing. God and damn, it's like, every fucking scene in this movie. Yeah, like, I like that's the thing where it's like I really I honestly want to be like full on like the Michael Bay like hype train. Because, like, so few guys even bother to do what he's doing now. Mm-hmm. And that's, like, frustrating because movies just look so boring. And that I will say that chase in the middle is pretty great. It goes on a little long, but it's still, like, pretty impressive. Yeah. And But it's just, like, goddamn, I'm, like, exhausted 30 minutes into the movie and nothing's happened. You know? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I was thinking, like, could... the reveal of, like, the clones is actually pretty inventive with, like, how the camera moves. Like, that's uh-huh. a pretty good sequence. But it's, like, every scene's like that. Yeah. Ugh. I just... I it, mean, because, you know, he's a huge Coen Brothers fan. We talked about it before. Yeah. He keeps poaching everyone that they work with because he clearly likes their stuff. And, you know, there's that great video about, like, um, from from the old YouTube days now. Yeah. Uh, every frame of painting referring to, like, how they shoot, like, shot, reverse shot, mm-hmm. the Coen Brothers specifically. And, like, there's an art to the shot, reverse shot. It doesn't have to be stilted and boring. It can have purpose. And if Michael Bay just got, like, that basic element down, I think he could make, like, a truly great, great film. Well, don't forget, Every Frame of Painting also did, like, one of the early, like, we should treat Michael Bay seriously videos. Yeah, and they don't even like Michael Bay. Yeah. And, you know, but he he made some good points. He makes good points. 
And I will say, there wasn't there that story, though, that, like, I think this is why he stopped making those videos, is that after he did the Coen Brothers video on Shot Reverse Shot, there was, like, a huge uptick in, like, film school shorts being shot exactly like that. Oh. And I think he was like, I don't want to influence people like that. <laughs> I remember some story like that going around. Um, that guy and his co-writer, they, they released their final script for the video that they were going to do as the final one. They were it. like, yeah, and they were just like, it's not worth it. But we released the script and yada yada, and I do believe they, they talk about, like, not wanting to, to, like, literally be someone else's film school if yeah. people are just going to, like, copy and paste it and stuff like that. I think he I think he had a very big, like... I think he was upset about the influence he Because now, like, everyone does video essays like him. Mm-hmm. And people with absolutely no qualification to talk about what they're talking about. Yeah. And uh, people have built entire careers off of it. Mm-hmm. And it's like the two schools are Every Frame of Painting and, like, Red Letter Media. Which, which is, is unfortunate, which is and I, I like both of these. Yeah, things. like it's, those things are fine in like their own little way, you know. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. But when everyone's doing that, it gets a little weird. And yeah, I don't know, man. Although now I'm like, it's that thing of like, if the internet always gets you like, there's always a backlash to the backlash of the backlash to the backlash, and it's like. I don't know. Now everyone feels like they're against all video essays, and I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like, they think there's a value to it, but I also, I don't know. It's such a mess. And I think we're contributing to it a little bit with this fucking podcast, but no one listens to it, so we're all right. <laughs> but, yeah, we're, we're, we'll be okay for a little while, at least. Yeah. <laughs> Watch this one be the one that just fucking blows up into, yeah. like, the millions. It's like, yeah, they're making good points about the island, and like, dude, I barely graduated high school. Don't listen to me. Yeah. <laughs> No, if that happened, then I'd be like, yeah, it's probably time to stop. Yeah. But. I've, I've, come, I've always come very close to, like, actually making a video essay, and I just, I don't know if I'd feel comfortable doing it. I think you have to at some point. I guess. Yeah. I feel like if nothing else is going on right now because the world's terrible, I should at least try. <laughs> yeah, I think you, I think you can do it. Because I'm either going to die on a fucking earth that's on fire, or I'm going to die on an earth that's on fire, but I made a video essay. Or you're going to die... In an earth that is submerged completely underwater. Water world. Yeah. yeah we're doing water oh, world. No, we're not. That's a failed blockbuster. It, it, that totally is, but we're not. That's like the failed blockbuster. <laughs> we're, but we're not doing water world. No, but that's. I don't know how that didn't even come up in conversation, though. During the, I'm just going to leave like... this in the episode so people know where we're coming from <laughs> and how much thought goes into these. Because you released the episode, the first one of the series, and it's still me going like, yeah, we're going to do like three of these. And like, <laughs> I think now we're up to, what are we up to? What's the series going to be? Ten. Ten. We're going to do ten. We're going to tap out. Yeah, yeah. Then we're gonna, we, next year we might, we'll do more. We might now. come back to this one like a mini series later down the line. Yeah, I think but... this would be a fun like summer thing. Mm-hmm. Like, every summer we do a blockbuster thing. Yeah. Until a, we die in until, five years. Yeah, until the world blows up in, like, three months. <laughs> um. Yeah, that's the island. Is there anything else you want to mention? Because I, I just really wanted to mention again that, like, I think Bay is genuinely talented, has no sense of formal control, which is both why I love him and am frustrated by him. Um, but his movies look like fucking movies, and I really appreciate him as a filmmaker, regardless. Um, Michael Bay, make a 30-minute movie, I mean, 90-minute movie challenge. 
that would probably help. Yeah. yeah. If he can, if he can get these movies to ninety minutes, I will defend him for the rest of my life. He needs to like. He needs to work with like the editor Bob Murakowski or something <laughs> like that. You know, just like, dude, Michael, you can't. <laughs> there's there's no information being conveyed here. You know what the problem is. With the amount of money that goes into, like, the average shot, I bet you it's tough to, like, cut scenes. Because, like, mm-hmm. we spent $5 million on that. Like, well, it's on the cutting room floor now. Like, that would be a tough decision. Yeah, I mean, that's why, like, I at least admire Transformers the last night. If someone said that's the worst film they've ever seen in the theater, I'd be like, yeah, I get it. <laughs> but, you know, when you're watching it, it's like fuck, is this the biggest movie ever made? And it, like, it might be, All right. honestly. Help me out, though. Mm-hmm. What is the best Transformers film? And what is the worst Transformers film? That Michael Bay I would did. honestly say, like, Transformers 3. Like, the last hour of that movie, I think, is, Good like, Lord. Michael Bay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the worst one is either 2 or 4. Okay. It, it's it's tough. I, I'm obviously on the Michael Bay train, but even I'm like, I can't really get through those. Well, <laughs> I'll, too take, much. I'll take your advice, Diego, and I'll watch uh, The Last Night. <laughs> I don't know. No? You're just going to come back, like, furious next week? Probably. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'll like it. <laughs> That's a lie. We'll see. No... I hope you like There's aspect no... ratio changes. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he did it for a very specific reason. Anyways, that's the island. Would you recommend this movie, Matt? We haven't really been, like, fully recommending or not recommending all of these, but this one I feel like deserves the discussion. Yeah, um, not really. Okay. If you if you can get a hold of it very easily and you have an evening to waste alone, um, <laughs> yeah, check it out. If it was streaming somewhere, and that's not me, like, just being a, like, lazy fuck. I, I mean, like, genuinely, like, if it was, like, free to, like, to watch because you were subscribed to some service somewhere, then I'd say, yeah. Um, a rental, maybe. If you don't like Michael Bay, don't even bother. Like, if you don't like a single Michael Bay film, don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you'll you'll get anything out of it. Everyone else, I, I, I think if you haven't seen it, check it out. You know, if you miss movies that look like movies, even when they don't really work... Check it out. There you go. Or you could watch a Tony Scott film. Oh, yeah. I mean, look. <laughs> yeah, Tony Scott is obviously, like, Michael Bay's, like, far superior. But if you don't have access to any Tony Scott films for you some reason. You know what was infuriating? <laughs> I tried to, because there was a fucking stupid Twitter prompt recently about, like, what are the best blockbusters in the last whatever? And uh, I tried to contribute to it, and I couldn't figure out what the definition of blockbuster was. Mm-hmm. So I decided, well, it's any movie that's made over $200 million. Guess who didn't have a single movie that made over $200 million in the 21st century? <sighs> Nicholas Winding Refn. <laughs> well, yes, but... <laughs> no, Tony Scott. Yeah, that yeah. fucking sucks. Meanwhile, fucking every Transformers movie made a billion dollars. God. Where it's like, we yeah, wanted to that's... go like, yeah... Michael Bay, compared to other directors, is a real filmmaker. There's better ones that are also being unsung. <laughs> yes, I, I agree. But only, I'm only saying that just because we're talking about the island. Yeah, I get, I get it. I get it. I get it. 
but there's other directors out there that aren't making billions of dollars. Yes. That are making yes. real blockbusters. And then they seem to get shit on more than Michael Bay these days. And that's Which a little frustrating. I'll just say yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. But that's a, another topic for another time. Matt, thanks for joining me again. Uh, what the fuck are we talking about next week? And where can people find you? I genuinely forgot. Um, well, of course. Court. We're talking about... And then put like a robot voice in with me <laughs> saying the movie. Let me see. I have the list right here. Uh, oh, okay. So the last four we're talking about are Titan AE, oh, Speed yeah, Racer, Titan Master AE. and Commander, Big Trouble in Little China. There I think go. in that order. Um, I thought well, we wanted to end with Master and Commander. Yes. <laughs> That's it like, was either Master and Commander or Speed Racer. I don't yeah, remember. I, I remember Master and Commander because the, the point is that these are all failed blockbuster, but now there's going to be a Master and Commander prequel. So the next one is Titan AE. Yeah. I Get ready I for the human race. It's a good tagline. Yeah. We will see if it leads to a good film. Yeah. Um, it's going to be interesting. It There's a lot to talk about. That is like literally like not just the end of a filmmaker's career. It is like the end of an entire like <laughs> battle happening within the animation industry. Mm-hmm. It like dies in that moment. So that's going to be really fascinating. Yeah. Uh, but where can the people find you? I'm at EmperorOTN1 at Twitter.com. And I'm trying to get on on Twitch lately, but my internet's all fucked up. So. Well, get, get back on there before I stream Resident Evil 8. Yeah. Which one's that? I don't even know. <laughs> oh, it's it's the one that just came out this year. I haven't played it yet. So oh, is it the one gonna, with the big lady? Yes. Okay. That's all you, all you had to say was that. Yeah. <laughs> you really didn't need to say anything else. I had forgotten. It's so fucking funny that that the when when she got really popular from that one trailer, the the producers and stuff were like, "No, it, we didn't mean for that to blow up. <laughs> She's not that big a part of the game. Please don't get attached to her." And then when the game came out, people were like, "You know, I didn't get the hype. It was kind of disappointing." And they're like, "We didn't <laughs> fuck. <laughs> we didn't want that to happen." You know, they're building an entire game just centered around her, though. Now you know that's the spinoffs in the works. That was like quarantine brain exploding. <laughs> like that's exactly yeah. what that was. <laughs> and you can find me at the Dave Crespo. Check out the Waffle Press on Twitter, YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, and Patreon, where you can listen to other episodes where I don't have this weird nasally confection because I'm getting over being sick for like a, a week and a half at this point. <laughs> but thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We have been professionally unprofessional. From Michael Bay. I never did this before. The director of The Rock and Armageddon. Well, that tongue thing is amazing. I know you're new to this whole human thing, but backpacks for boys, purses for girls. Understand? We're not idiots. Well, excuse me, miss. I'm so smart, I can't wait to go to the island. Ewan McGregor. I just want to live. I don't care how. Scarlett Johansson. Don't try me like it! You still think there's an island?